Well, good morning, Crossings. How are we doing this morning? Doing all right? Doing all right? All right. Well, hey, uh, I want to start with a confession that I'm terrible with cars. Uh, I don't know how to work on them. I, I mean, I, I know very little. Here's why I know very little. Because when I, when I grew up, my dad loved cars. He loved to work on them. He loved to enlist my brother and I's help. Uh, but we were, we were strictly the gophers, right? We were just go get this, go get that. Oh, this is the wrong one. Go get that. And I learned very quickly that I don't want to be the gopher. <laughs> like, I want to do something. And so I would avoid the garage at all cost because I knew it was just an afternoon of running my dad's errands all over the garage, getting tools that I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what to look for. And so most of the time I grabbed the wrong thing. And so I just started to avoid the garage. And so now I'm an adult and, and I realized, man, I should have stuck around the garage a whole lot more. Um, and so over the last couple of years, one of the things that I've started to do is uh, take the adventure in, into fixing my own vehicles as much as I can. Uh, one, because I want to know how to do it. Two, I want to be able to see the fruit of my labor immediately. And then three, it is a whole lot cheaper to just fix your own car. And so I had a problem, and, and there's this wonderful solution that um, my generation did not grow up with, that this generation has access to, and it's called YouTube. And uh, there's, there's thousands of people on YouTube that seem to have one goal, and that is to help you fix your car. And they will tell you everything you need to know from start to finish to fix whatever it is. And it's been a fantastic now, they'll tell you what to buy, what tools you need, uh, and they'll get their little camera out and they'll videotape, this is how you unscrew this thing, and this is how you reassemble it once you take it, like all, all the things. And it's, so it's fantastic. And so the reason I tell you that is this, this series, one and Love One Another, to me is, is like ancient YouTube tutorials that says, hey, the, the, you start with a need, right? You have a need. Now, Jesus says, here, this is what you do. And then 59 times throughout the Old Testament, the other authors of the, of the New Testament uh, scriptures tell you, this is how you do it. Another way to say it is like when Jesus tells us in John 13 to love one another, he's giving us the structure, the bones. And then 59 times we see the authors of the New Testament, the disciples and such, they start putting meat to the bones so you can actually go do the thing. But like I said, it starts with a need. I need to fix my car. The older it gets, the more often I need to do that. And so in order to do that, I have to first acknowledge that I have a need. And then I need to go figure out how do I meet that need? And what do I need to actually see it through? Which brings us to why many of us are at church in the first place. We have a need, and we do not know how to, to do it. In fact, we can't. It's not just a tutorial video. Jesus said, hey, I see your need. I'm not just going to show you how to save yourself. I am going to come, and I am going to save you. I'll do the work. Man, I would love for these YouTubers just to show up in my house and do it for me. That'd be great. <laughs> but Jesus has done that. He has seen our need for a Savior. And he didn't just say, hey, this is what you need to do to save yourselves. He's like, I will come and I will do it for you. And, but as he leaves, he says, listen, now love one another as I have loved you. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about honoring one another. Honoring one another. And what I hope to do is answer three simple questions. 
Why honor one another? How do we honor one another? And then what will keep us from honoring one another? As I alluded to before, John 13 is where we get this entire series from. So if you have not been with us, let me get you up to speed. John is meet, or Jesus is meeting with his disciples a few hours before his crucifixion, and he tells them this in John 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Jesus does three things in this short passage. He gives us a command to do, all right? And he gives us a design to follow, right? He, the command is love one another. The, the design is as I have loved you, right? This is the YouTube tutorial part. Just watch the video and just do what I do. And then he says at the end that there'll be a distinction on your life, that everyone will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And so we get this kind of mission from Jesus. And so this morning, we're gonna look at, we're gonna continue looking at this pattern of loving one another. So Romans 12, 10. We're gonna look at two passages. We're gonna start in Romans 12, 10. Then we're gonna quickly adjust to Philippians 2. But this is what Paul writes in Romans 12, 10. Honor one another above yourselves. That's what the NIV translation says. The Christian Standard Bible translation says it this way, take the lead in honoring one another. And the ESV translation says, outdo one another in showing honor. So those of you who are competitive, this is your, ESV is your translation. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now when you look at translations, I don't, let's not freak out for a minute, but this is how I, this is how I view different translations. The Greek language is really hard and difficult to translate into English with just one word. And so when you see like this, three translations, just interpreting it a little different, this is how I want you to think about it because this is how I think about it. It's like a diamond, and then if you just turn it a little bit, it looks a little different, but it's the same diamond. And so when I look at these translations, the nuance of this word honor comes out. Honor one another above yourselves. Take the lead in honoring one another and then outdo one another in showing honor. It's all the same idea. You, others, honor above yourself. Lead in honoring one another and outdo one another in showing honor. The word honor just simply means in the original Greek text, it's a term for worth or value. And so if you take that word value and say value one another above yourselves, take the lead in valuing one another, outdo one another in showing value, it starts to put on a different idea. Because when we think honor, we usually probably think of a stage with a medal and like we, you know, we honor them. Like you think a rehearsal dinner, we honor the bride and groom, we tell stories about them of how great they are and how silly we, we've been with them. And you know, it, it's, an, it's a time to honor somebody. But in this context, it's really saying, value them above yourselves. And so that's why I wanna to turn to Philippians chapter two to kind of extrapolate a little bit. Like in this verse in, in Romans 12, 10, Paul gives us one, one line. In Philippians two, he's writing the church in Philippi and he gives us a whole lot more context and meat to this idea of honoring one another. So if you'll follow me, we're gonna be in Philippians two, three through eight, here we go. 
Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so the first question we're gonna to start to answer is why honor one another? Why do this? Like this is not a thing that we wake up thinking. I don't. I think I wanna honor myself with a few more minutes of sleep. Like I'm gonna value, I'm gonna self care right now, right? We wake up wanting to value me. We wake up wanting to, wanting to find someone to value and, and, and show me worth. And so why would we do this? It's so anti to the way we, we function. Our whole world functions in the way of like, you get as much value and honor and advantage as you possibly can. But God's word says honor one another. So maybe you remember that season of your life where you were a teenager and your parents would tell you to do something and the only question you could possibly ask is why? Guys, let's eat dinner, why? Get in the car, why? Take a shower, why? Right? Like this is what we do. We, like, we, because in order to do something that someone else tells us to do, we have to stop what we want to be doing. And so we have to answer the question, why? Why would we love one another? Why would we serve one another? Why would we honor one another? The quick answer is this. He honored us first. God, through Christ, has honored you. He has shown you value, and he has shown you worth, and you, as a believer and a follower of Jesus, now stand in a position of honor. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We had a need that was greater than fixing the brakes on your car. We were sinners. We are sinners and we have a need for a savior. And so Jesus sees our need. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God honored and valued us by giving his one and only son for us. Let me, tell, let me, let me think about it through this way. So uh, YouTube is not the only benefit of the internet that tells you how to fix your car and whatever, makes yummy cookies, whatever you want. There's also this thing on Facebook called Marketplace. And there's and another place there's called eBay where you can go buy stuff. And if you've ever looked at it, you're like, who would ever pay that much for that? It's used. Somebody does, <laughs> because somebody loves that thing way, way more than I do. But here's the thing. The value of something is not dependent on you. 
The value is dependent on what someone will pay for it. That's the value. And God valued you so much that he would give his own son to redeem and rescue you. That is your value. This world may not give you your worth. It may not value you in in the way that our world does. But God Almighty said, I value you. You are worth my one and only son. And so God made him who had no sin, sin for us. That in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So do you really believe that God has loved you? Do you actually believe that God has honored you? Here's how I know he has honored me. And here's how I know he has honored you. We see in Genesis chapter one that God created and formed humanity in his image. He created humanity. Everything else he spoke into existence, but humanity he formed. In Psalm 139, we see a more intimate picture that God has taken you and me and took nine months to form you and knit you together in your mother's womb. And you bear the image of God. Because I got a lot of kids. And my kids got a lot of friends and they come over to our house a lot. But there are five of them that I love way more than the others. You know why? Because they bear my wife and I's image, they're mine. They're my kids. And so let's not just glaze over the fact that you were created in the image of God, that his imprint is on you. You are valued. Jesus entered this world and suffered to redeem and rescue us. He lived this life and he walked this earth to understand and sympathize with us that he would know every way you are tempted. He would know every struggle. He would know the loneliness. He valued you. He lived on this earth in this life and he died and rose again to destroy death so that we may be raised again just like him. When he went to be back with his father, he gave us and left this Holy Spirit to be with us that one day we will be with him again forever. In the fullness of joy, as Psalm 1611 says. Guys, if I don't, I don't, I don't know anything that I can think of that, that, that shouts from the mountaintop that God loves you and values you more than what I just read. You were created in his image. You're his kid, he knits you together. He entered this world and suffered to redeem you. He lived to understand and sympathize with you. He died and rose again to destroy death. He gave us his Holy Spirit that he would walk with us through life. So you are never alone in the Lord. And one day he promises you will be his once again. And you will be with him. John Wesley says it this way, true holiness is to love God with all of your soul, mind, and strength, but you cannot love God until you are convinced he loves you. So are you convinced that God loves you? 
Are you convinced that he has honored you? He has valued you at the price of his one and only son. 1 John 4.19, John writes, we love because he first loved us. I would argue you could take any of the one another's and put it into that verse. We serve because he first served us. We accept one another because he has first accepted us. We forgive because he has first forgiven us. And we honor, we value because he has first valued us. And so why do, would we honor one another? Is because he has honored you first. And then the second half of that is that Jesus instructs us to do so. Not only has he done it before us, for us, he then in John 13 says, now go do this. Do what I have done for you. And then right after that John 13 verse, that famous love one another verse, this the very next chapter in the same conversation, Jesus follows up that instruction with, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's not optional for the follower of Jesus. He not only gives the instruction, but as a proof of his love for, for him, he says, obey me, do what I said. And so then we have to come to this moment where we have to ask ourselves, right? Are we an admirer of Jesus or are we a follower of Jesus? Because a follower gets moving in the ways of Christ. An admirer sits back and says, oh, that's, that's a really nice sentiment. Man, Jesus is a great dude. I, I, the people around me should do that for me, right? We can't afford to be admirers of Jesus. He calls us to follow him. And so knowing the why is vital. Why we love, serve, forgive, and honor is because he has done it first for us. You as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, stand in a position of honor because, not because you deserve it, but because of God's grace for you. Because I don't know about you, but I got a problem with grace. I got a problem with it because I want to earn it and I want to deserve it. And so this idea of being honored by God Almighty feels a little bit like, Ugh, I know who I am. I know what I've done. I know what I would do if left to myself. But that's grace. That's grace. It's undeserved honor. And so as Christians, you stand in a position of honor. That's why. Let's continue. Verse 5. In your relationships, this is where Paul brings it down to the actual, right? Not aspirationally, actually. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So the second question is, how do we honor one another? In your relationships, not just in your head, not just on your note page, in your mind. So I'm gonna give you an acronym, AAA. And some of you may think, oh, AAA, they pick me up on the side of the road when my car breaks down. There's a theme here about cars breaking down, all right? So some of you know AAA by, they come, they fix your flat, whatever. Or maybe AAA baseball for you. You're like, oh, we got a AAA baseball team here in town. I wanna give you a new AAA. All right, the first A is this. We need to adopt the same mindset as Christ. 
That's the first A. We need to adopt the mindset of Christ. That word adopt simply means to, to legally take and bring up one as, it's, as your own. That you would make it your own. And so we need to, how do we love one another and honor one another? We start by having the same mindset of Christ. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because the pattern of this world is to grasp for every piece of value, every piece of honor, every piece of credit. We just, that's what we do. Christ's mindset looks like humility counting others as more significant. To adopt the mindset of Christ is to actually know the mindset of Christ, which requires us to know Jesus, which is why we need to be in our Bibles daily, knowing who is Jesus. We cannot adopt a mindset that we do not know. The second A is the word act. So first we adopt and then we act in accordance with the mindset of Christ. So once we adopt it and make it our own, then we act on it. You guys remember those, those bracelets, the WWJD bracelets, remember those? It was a big, huge thing when I was in college and post-college and they're still around a little bit. But I, I, I never really liked the WWJD bracelets. I mean, they were cool and all and you get different colors, that was pretty cool. You could trade them, that was fun. <laughs> But here's why I didn't like it, because in the back of my mind, I, I knew I wasn't Jesus. I can't do what Jesus did. I can't heal the sick. And I can't make 12 baskets of leftover food from fishes and loaves. So what would Jesus do is different than what I would do, because I'm not Jesus. So maybe there's a different idea. And maybe we need to make a bracelet, WWJHMD. What would Jesus have me do? If Jesus was walking with me and he's instructed me to love one another and to honor one another, maybe the better question is, in this moment, with this person, in this situation, what would Jesus have me do? As a Christian, as an ambassador of Christ, what would Jesus have me do? And so we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we get a vision and an idea of the mindset of Christ, that he came to serve and not to use his advantage for his benefit, but he used his advantage for ours. He honored us. And so this is, this is where I'm gonna throw up a list on the screens of how do we act. We act by doing the one another's, praying, serving, encouraging, confessing, bearing burdens, caring, forgiving, greeting, accepting, submitting, comforting, and honoring. And that's just 12, that's just 12 of them. There's 59. This is, I mean, guys, I can't think of a better way to improve every relationship in your life than to follow this instruction of Christ. To love as I have loved you. It will improve your marriages. It will improve your sibling rivalries. It will improve your workplace relationships. When we start to say, you know, I'm gonna take the mindset of Christ. I'm gonna adopt the mindset and I'm gonna act it out. I'm gonna serve people. I'm gonna pray for people. I'm gonna honor them and value them above myself. I'm gonna give them my advantage. Watch how your relationships will flourish. And the third A in my triple A analogy is first we adopt and then we act and then the last one is we apologize when we don't do it well. 
because I know I don't do it well. I'm, I, I, I apologize more than, than I want to, because I, I, I just say, hey, I know that's not what I intended to do, but what I did was wrong, and, and I need to ask for your forgiveness. Crossings, can you imagine what Oklahoma City would think if all of a sudden we as a community of believers adopted the mindset of Christ, actually acted on the mindset of Christ, and then when we mess up and we fail to do it, we are quick to apologize and ask for forgiveness. We don't like to do this. We don't like to admit. We don't like to apologize because it, 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 I think it, we, we think it says I'm weak. It gives someone an advantage over me to know that I'm wrong. So be it. I've been honored by God through Jesus Christ. So I'm okay with being wrong. And so I just wonder what it might look like to adopt, act, and apologize on a regular basis according to the mindset of Christ. Let's go back to verse three of Philippians two to answer our last question. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So what will keep us from honoring one another? I think it's two things. I think we forget who we are in Christ. We forget our position. We forget that God has loved and honored and forgiven and accepted and served and cared for and bared my burden. We forget who we are. And so then we think, I've got to go do those things for me because no one else will do it. So we forget who we are and then we fear that it's all up to us. Forgetting and fearing go, go hand in hand. We forget who we are in Christ and then we fear that it's all up to us. If I'm gonna have any honor, I've gotta get it. I've gotta make it happen. If I, need, if I want an advantage, I've gotta make it happen. And we start living out of fear instead of faith. Philippians 2, once again, 5, 6, and 7 says, Have the, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. We're professional graspers. We love to grasp and hold on to every advantage and every honor with a death grip. I think because we believe that we're actually on our own, that it's just up to you but there is a God who is with you and loves you and cares for you and has honored you. There's a pastor that I, I've read, and it's one of my favorite, I, I'm not being hyperbolistic here. There, there are pastors, we tend to do that sometimes, like it's my favorite book. This one is one of my favorites. When I do premarital counseling, this is the book we go through. It's got a really catchy title, it's very unique, it's called Love One Another. And it's by a guy, got by a guy named Don McMinn. And it's a study of 20 of the one another's. And it's, it's the most practical study of the one another's I've ever read. But he gives five reasons why we don't do this. Why do we not honor each other? The, the first one is that we're preoccupied with self. It's that idea that I'm so focused on me, I'm unable to focus on you. The next one, he says, we live with this mentality of proving my value and my worth. Right? That honoring you will diminish the attention and honor I receive. And then he says, we're jealous. We live with the idea that what if I honor you in an area in which we are both involved and it turns out that you're better than I am? We fear that. We have insecurities. If I honor the strength of other people, I might expose my own inadequacies. Or lastly, we fear unmet needs. That if I honor you, who will honor me? I'll tell you who will honor you is Jesus. 
He has honored you. He has given his spirit to you and he will continue to show you favor and value you. So what do we do with this? I would say the first thing is this, know and go. Know and go, know that you stand in a position of honor and then go and honor one another because you have been honored by Christ. Know your position in Christ and then go live it out. Number two, I would challenge you to pick a person and start practicing these one another's. Pick a person, a guinea pig. Don't tell them, because that will ruin the whole thing. Just start this kind of subversive mission to honor someone in your life, to show them value above yourself. And then lastly, I, I wanted, you know, I always think that we, I, when I speak, I give one another's and then we, we send you away. I want to just take a minute and do one right now. In the room, it's not gonna be awkward. I promise you. One of the greatest ways we can honor one another is to do James 5, 16. It says, pray for one another. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take two to three minutes and we're just gonna give you some space to honor someone else by praying for someone else right now. Not for yourself, but think of someone. There's a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot of hurt in the world. Who could you honor by taking three minutes and praying that God would be with them in their situation? So we're gonna give you three minutes and I'll come back and we'll close this in prayer. If our prayer teams could come on down so that you're ready at the end of this, that'd be great.